Welcome everybody to Save It For The Show with your host, me, Dan. Very exciting episode. I say that about every episode. I, I know that. And I can't help it if I get excited about every episode. I try to find something to get me excited. So episode 14 and 14, beautiful number. That that makes episode 13 I just did was my bar mitzvah. I should have made a joke about that last episode. But anyways, hello, good evening, good morning, good whenever you listen to my cheery voice. It's 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 gonna be a fun show. So without further ado, getting right into it with dun da da you guessed it, real treat. This week's real treat comes from a buddy of mine named MD who's been super supportive of my little show. And his real treat is something that I actually take a bit of umbrage with and enjoy. He sent me a link to this thing called the Popinator and Maybe you've seen it. It's made by this company that actually makes pretty great popcorn called, I think, Indiana Popcorn. And long story short, on the outside, it's a box you put popcorn in and you say a word and the box is really smart. It can tell where the word pop came from and it shoots popcorn in your mouth. It's ridiculous and goofy and funny and one of those stories that you know, a coworker will go tell another coworker at the watering hole and they'll have a chuckle about it and then talk about how Nancy in accounting has a nice butt or something. So it's a human interest story. However, where it made me really laugh is there's a video for it. And I think with Kickstarter and all these websites now where little videos and these little vignettes all of a sudden everyone's gotten so good at telling these little stories with someone's being interviewed this one's no exception so it starts off i'm going by memory here in the office of like the vice president of marketing huge mistake because the guy is so markety e he just oozes like, well, hey, everybody, we got this exciting popcorn machine. It shoots the popcorn right in your mouth. I mean, the guy couldn't be more happy about it. And I'm watching this, and I'm feeling myself getting angry at it. And then it shows the engineer who, okay, a popcorn company has an electrical engineer on staff. And it's funny because the marketing guy is wearing like, you know, the light blue shirt with the red tie or something like that. And then the engineer has this fucking awful bleach blonde hair and this black shirt on with some indistinct sort of symbol and writing on it. Maybe it's pagan. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I'm sure he, he listens to hardcore music and he proceeds to kind of really get excited about this popcorn machine and now in my mind i'm really pissed off i'm like this is ridiculous there's like all these weird office archetypes that are living here and it cuts to this office girl of course all the girls in the office are cute and but not too cute just cute enough and not too sexy but you know still providing some uh, eye candy no guys you know of course because like men don't work in offices apparently and then it cuts to the guys in the shipping department, and they're tough, and they're laughing. They're having a good time. Everyone's having a good time, except for me, because I'm such a shitbag. I'm watching this cringing because I all I can see is somebody is manipulating this, and they're trying to make it so cool. 
And then I thought to myself, just don't be such a fucking pessimist guy. It's some stupid thing. These people love popcorn. That's their life. I mean, they talk about popcorn as if you might talk about a car or your friends talk about the iPhone, except you don't make the iPhone or work for Apple. These people, they eat popcorn all day long. And that's their life. So it was, I flipped it around. I did a 180 on it. So thanks for the real treat. It, it actually was a kind of a, a cute video. And uh, I'm sure an advertising agency will see that and try to come up with some other way to steal it. Um, the Goldfish Pepperidge Farms will make a kiosk in Times Square that take your picture while goldfish is getting shot into your mouth and Facebook Connect and put it on your wall and blow it out your ass. So look for that. Uh, and hopefully I get to see the RFP. I'd love to bid on it if that's an idea. So <laughs> hit me up. So anyway, so yeah, that's a great real treat. And this weekend I was doing a lot of thinking about the show and how I have real treat, hashtag. And a buddy, Mike, from AKQA, who was on a couple weeks ago, said something about, he tweeted something about, he knows he's made it now. And I jokingly tweeted back to him, I always thought I made it when I would have a spare propane tank in my house because I can't tell you how many times I'd have people over, I'd just put food on the grill, and the shit dies. There's there's nothing, oh, well, let me, uh, especially me, like, sometimes transitioning for me can be a pain in the ass, and I think transitioning for a lot of people is hard, where you have your head so set on something, even if it's something simple, like, I'm going to be grilling this chicken. I'm going to, I, I have a plan in my head. Now, this is me. I'm a planner, and, and, you know, that's just the way my brain works. So I'm like, I'm going to get this fucking chicken. I'm putting it on the grill. I have my seasoning salts that I like to use, and people are going to be eating grilled chicken. The grill dies, and all of a sudden, I'm like, those are, bre- <laughs> those are breaks, scratching. And I'm like, okay, well. It's summertime. I have to turn the oven on in the house. It's going to be so hot. Oh, my guests are going to be so... Oh, my God, what are they going to do? I don't really freak out that much. I just say, fuck it. I probably pan fry it or figure something out. But So when I told myself, once I get two propane takes where I can say, hey, everybody, no big deal. I got this. Go in my garage. Get my other tank. That, to me, was making it. And he tweeted back at me, hashtag... God, saying, the word, saying hashtag is awful. Hash... A tag doesn't make sense. Anyways, hashtag success dad in sort of like a meme fashion. And, you know, it's funny. Some of my listeners I know don't know what Kickstarter is. They don't know what memes are because some of them are maybe related to me and not 25 and work on the Internet and know every goddamn thing there is. It's a waste of your time. So a meme. God, I'm not even going to try to describe a meme. I'll link to a definition of meme somehow. Anyway, success dad being a meme, and what, I don't know, it'd be a picture of me holding two propane tanks, and then you could put your impact font on my head and and make fun of me. So I thought about that. What was my success dad moment of the week? Look, I'm not saying it's going to become a real treat. Maybe this won't catch on. Hey, are you a dad or a mom? You know what? Success mom doesn't work. Success dad works because everyone thinks dads are stupid and they bumble around and, oh God, they're lucky if they can even make it through the day. And, you know, they, um, 
They put juice in their kids' cereal because they're such an idiot. I love that stereotype. So thank you for Hollywood and uh, TVs and shows for doing that. So anyways, success mom doesn't make sense. Everybody thinks moms are successful, and they are. They're the best. Success dad works out because dads are idiots. So if you have a success dad moment, or maybe your husband did, I'm sure I do have a handful of female listeners. Thank you. Love you. So tell me your success dad moment. Mine sort of dovetailing which by the way is an an excellent word, dovetailing off my podcast last week with Josh was soccer and how I've been Evan's coach, my son. And last night, he really did great. Kicked ass. Finally clicked. Felt so proud. That's my corny success dad moment. Coming into the show, I was hoping something better would come to me or at least funny. Didn't. So you're going to have to deal with my, my son, Evan and all that so so that's it maybe a new thing real treat rolls into success dad and and then we kind of go from there so the the other thing I, I wanted to talk about was i mentioned this before and i my mom bless her heart that that's crazy to me that my mom listens to this and every once in a while i mean i post it on my facebook and there's a cornucopia of folks on there i think most people that follow me on Twitter are somewhat technical, you know, like they're probably in advertising. I mean, God, there's like 600 of these souls. I wish I knew who they were and why. But on Facebook, it's high school people that don't know me from anybody. It's my family, like I've talked about before, including my mom. And she said to me the other day, you know, sometimes on your podcast, your voice sounds really dry. Are you high when you do them? First of all, I like that my voice being dry is the indicator that I was high. Not that I'm talking about weird things or just rambling for a half an hour. It's that I have a dry voice. Well, A, not high. B, like I said, I I just talked for 30 minutes nonstop. I I try not to do dead air here. I, I barely take a breath. And I would die to take a drink of water, except I have this new mic and it's crazy sensitive. It would sound like a waterfall in your glorious ear and I guess I could stop take a drink edit it out but I don't know that's just not me so not high not drunk uh, I did have a beer tonight breaking my own rule but it was a long day in the fields house and Nicole and I needed uh, a beverage so that was nice but yeah one beer god if one beer got me drunk oh that would be great I well, no, it'd probably be a nightmare. I'd go to a party and have three beers and be a fucking wreck. But my wallet would thank me and my waist would thank me because, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm realizing I am not clearing my cash on my body of beer as quickly as I would hope. After a, a long weekend of drinking uh, too many beers, it just sits with you. So anyways, no, I'm not high. And that reminded me of a thought I had this weekend where, you know, I'm sure, I, listen, I, I live in California. I'm 30 years old, 31. Of course, I've smoked weed in my life. And when I used to smoke it a lot, I used to think it opened up a channel to, in my mind and how creative I got. And, you know, there's that classic Bill Hicks line about, you know, if you don't like drugs, then you should throw away all your records, all your albums, movies. Because everybody that made all that crazy, great experimental music was super high on drugs. 
and I thought there's plenty of real industries in the world that really benefit from drugs, even though we don't really talk about them. Advertising, my industry in general, I mean, especially recently, looking at, I don't know, um, everything. Like right now, everybody's trying to be so funny, including me. Thank you for listening to my show. Save it for the show. So everyone's trying to be funny. Everyone's a comedian. And everyone's got to be smoking weed. I mean, give me a break. There's no way that you are sitting in a boardroom or at a coffee shop. A lot of these ideas, I definitely are coming from pot. And, which leads me to say, ad agencies can't be drug testing. I mean, maybe they are. Maybe some of the big corporate ones. My friend Brian, I tweeted that, and he said, no, just most of your friends are have passed it. And maybe from, you know, they... They shock their hair, they drink all that weird shit so their piss runs clean. But if they're doing that, that's crazy. I, I just can't imagine ad agencies, they know where their bread's buttered. And look, you can drug test the account people, and the account people are like the uptight, um, stuffy relationship people who, I, I guess, they're the only people that can be trusted with the client. You know what? You watch Mad Men. <laughs> that's, you're right, I totally forgot that. The account people. Pete, who's a piece of shit. Um, Roger, who's a piece of shit. The only good account person on that show is Ken Cosgrove. That guy's great. And he's a writer. So there's that. Those good, great account guys do exist. but And people meet them and then they talk about them the rest of their career because they're so hard to find. Nobody cares about this. Hey, 10 listeners who are like advertising, hope you enjoyed that part. However... There's plenty of other industries that, thank God, they drug test like, oh God, I don't know, bus drivers. Or it seems like any heavy machinery industry has drug testing. And I guess it's because you're going to crash your shit. I mean, I definitely don't want a bus driver high on weed. Is anybody really so worried about weed? If a bus driver smokes weed at night with his friends or her, her friends, do we really care at this point? Look, if it comes to school high, you're going to, I mean, look, I guess it takes one time to crash the bus. Isn't that, that was the scare tactic that here in California, every few years, we vote on whether or not weed should be legal. And it always loses because uh, people are stupid. I don't know. And they don't like taxing things. They don't like money. But that's neither here nor there. However, the anti-pot people had this ad that said, you know, oh, if, if you allow marijuana on the streets, bus drivers are going to be smoking weed and crashing and killing your kids. Which is so hilarious. That argument could be used for anything. Of course, not to mention alcohol, which kills fucking hundreds of thousands of people a day. This is a very tired old argument. I'm, I'm not going to dive into that. But I guess anybody who runs every machinery can't be drug tested. But advertising, which also affects everybody, they can be. You know, maybe we should drug test ad people. Or what about actors? Could you imagine at the Actors Union? Because, man, actors and musicians, they couldn't function without substances. I mean, there's no surprise to me that, okay, and granted, maybe I got to stop doing this. I have, like, thoughts in my head, and then I don't finish them, and I know them, and I don't say them out loud. That's being crazy. So no wonder that so many actors and musicians go into rehab. 
But then on the other hand, people go to rehab every day. It's just actors and musicians are famous and we hear about it. However, it seems like it's awfully high for them. And I'm sure it's because their life's fucking hard. I mean, I'm not. I'm the last guy to to uh, stick up for them and, and how much money they make and the the privilege they get. But I can't imagine that, like paparazzi stalking you and you, how would you would feel like you were never safe or alone? Like to me and probably to you, being alone is so important. Where right now I'm sitting in my office, just like doing this and relaxing, and to think if somebody was in my yard. Or I had to have a security guard or a bodyguard like around me, like a Kanye West or I don't know, Britney Spears or somebody must have to do. That sounds miserable. Should they make $20 million, $30 million for that life? I don't know. Maybe. Is it worth it? Are they happier? No. That's why they drink so fucking much and they do so many goddamn drugs because they're trying to escape that shit. They have to numb themselves. And normal people too, I guess. Life's hard for everybody. I don't care who you are. Your life's hard. You have a problem. Everybody has a problem. If you can say seriously that everything in your life is great and perfect, that's your fucking problem. That you're not, are you blind or dumb? There's people around you that hate you. If you're that kind of person that's like, no, my life's perfect. I I don't have any problems. All my friends love me. My job's going great. That's the first person that usually goes insane because they're not dealing with their emotions. So Anyways, people have to get away from their shit, and they drink, and they do all that stuff, and watch a lot of TV. Definitely watch a lot of TV. I might have an elderly neighbor. Actually, she's not even elderly. She's just really sick. She just seems like she's like 800, and she is bedridden, and I went over there the other day because she called me because she couldn't reach this nebulizer or something, which... I never heard that word before, and it sounds like something from a sci-fi video game, but she couldn't reach her nebulizer. I went over there. She, After she started breathing, first thing she asked me to do was change the channel on the TV, and she wanted me to change it from, like, Good Morning America to Kelly and Michael Strahan, which is crazy. She doesn't know who Michael Strahan is. Like, to her, she's just some funny black dude with a huge gap in his teeth. Whatever. She wanted the TV on, and... It just made me laugh that like, is this really what it's all about? Like, I always hear the TV on at her house too. I guess if you're bedridden, what else are you going to do? Part of that kind of sounds nice. I I haven't been playing video games at all lately. And maybe it's like a, it sounds better than it would be. But to have like a week, like I used to, of a binge play, just wake up, go get a fucking Egg McMuffin, come home jerk off, play video games all day. I'm like from 10 to 2 p.m., throw in a Hot Pocket, eat it while you're playing, sun goes down. There's something very depressing about seeing the sun go down while you play video games, but then your second wind kicks in and you just cruise that ship through the night until 1, 2 in the morning. I Anybody who's played video games and, and gotten really into one's been there before. Next day you're tired as shit at work, all day long you're thinking about that video game you just can't wait to get home and play it that feeling used to be nice i miss that feeling now i get home from work and i have to make dinner and run to soccer and then come home and cry no i'm just kidding uh come home and do this save for the show for you guys and for myself because i love you so anyways where i was going with this is tv it's coming back on 
and I saw this trailer for Taken 2. Now, if you were like me and you saw Taken 1, it kind of blew my mind. I mean, at this point, Liam Neeson had been a little to me under the radar. Like, yes, he was in Schindler's List, which in a way is a pretty macho badass role. And was taken before or after Star Wars, where he was Kui Kwang John or whatever. I, I hate to say like, oh, I hated those movies. Jar Jar Binks is dumb. Wait till you have kids. You think Jar Jar Binks is dumb? Well, it's because you're a 25-year-old hipster dick. But wait until you have children. That's what Jar Jar Binks was made for. George Lucas was talking to kids when he made that. My kids love it. Anyways, I saw this trailer, and for Taken 2. Now, Taken 1 to me, like I said, Liam Neeson blew my mind. Like, I didn't expect that movie to be that graphic or that intense. And I wonder if it was rated R. It had to have been. So I see this trailer for Taken 2. And the trailer is gripping. It's great. It's a perfect trailer, which I, I learned a few years ago that the directors and the the actual people in it have no clue what's going to the trailer is going to be like other companies cut the trailer which seems really funny to me like what would that be like i don't know a chef making a main dinner and another chef making the appetizer and no that would be stupid yes the appetizer is a snippet of the main meal and then you get the main meal when you get there no i don't know you you get the point so this trailer was so good and i thought fuck like i'm really pumped to see this movie then I saw it was rated PG-13, and I don't know if you're like me, but I immediately was like, wah, wah. and I just thought, well, how good could it be? I mean, rated R means whoever these people are said that a 17-year-old could enjoy it. 17. I mean, that's, think about what you were like when you were 17. Let's roll it back. 13. So this board of MPAA, is that who does it? I don't know. Or maybe that's video games. Maybe it's the same. But, you know, they'll say a 13-year-old could see this movie. I know a couple 13-year-olds. One of them babysits my children. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if this is a movie that she can handle, how fucking good could it be? I mean, she's 13. She doesn't have a car. She's never done shit. She's probably never even liked a boy. Or, or if it was a guy, a girl. Or how deep is her thought process? Now... I also know a 13-year-old girl especially is is a hornet's nest of emotions and all that. Fine. That's a deep thing, I guess. But Taken should be graphic and raw and have nudity. And there's a scene in a strip club and he takes a guy's face and he slams it on the bar. And he beats a guy over the head with a pool cue and throws an eight ball. Listen, it needs to be graphic and tough. And I mean, even like Breaking Bad, which is on normal TV... Especially, Christ, if you saw that... No, I don't want to spoil this for anybody. Uh, trying, Breaking Bad, to me, is one of those shows that people are like now still getting on the train. And good for you. Do it. So, it should be really graphic. And I thought to myself, and maybe other people do too, PG-13, how good could it be? Fuck that movie. However, the other thing I was thinking about is when on TV shows, especially HBO, I would say FX, you know, they've because people are so stupid and I guess their kids are, are running rampant. Ooh, yeah, that's something good for me to talk about. I hate to make a mental note during a show, but my ex-boss at Buckwild had this amazing Facebook post the other day about how all the ails of the world are caused by easy access to pornography. Mental note to talk about that next week. I'm doing my little spiel here on reviews. <laughs> Not reviews. Um, 
fuck, what are they even called? Ratings. There we go. So ratings. And, you know, especially FX or HBO, like I was saying, it's like the following is brought to you in stereo and is provided by blah, blah. The following features. And then here it comes. Nudity. Sexual graphic violence. Double penetration. Like whatever it says. And to me, like a, a monkey looking for a biscuit from a machine when I see, especially on Game of Thrones, especially Game of Thrones, when it's like violence, yes. Nudity, yes. A full frontal, yes. Everything it says, it's like the more letters and sort of warnings, the better. If it's just like violence, you're like, well, there's not going to be any boobs in Game of Thrones this week. Still going to watch it, of course, because it's an excellent program, as are the books. And I tried to read the book to my wife last night, and she made fun of me. The guy writes so good. Please read those books. The show is great. The books are great. Uh, that that you know, I didn't even have my own real treat this week. Maybe that's my real treat. Ah, that's everybody's fucking real treat. Everybody watches Game of Thrones, or read it. You know what? If you've watched it, read it. Make the reading it your real treat. And now I'm almost to the third book. I'm on the second book, which it seems like each book is following a season, and I'm struggling if I should read the third book. Because it's going to, in a way, ruin the show for me. I don't know if I would read a Breaking Bad, oh, this mini-season bullshit. Shows now are like breaking their seasons in two to, I don't know, get more ad revenue. And now there's going to be a whole other media blitz and they're going to blah, blah, blah. So they broke the season in two, which actually, if it makes it have 16 episodes instead of 13, that's cool. Oh, shit episode 14 remember when i used to say season one i guess episode 14 would be season two this is my season premiere season two episode one no i'm just kidding episode 14 save for the show and at save for the show send me your rotates man i really sometimes feel like i can fall into these parrot things like radio guys have it hard so anyways that's my real treat and oh yeah jesus christ so breaking bad would i read about it i don't think i would but to me, Breaking Bad is different. I've sort of, I it's it's called consumption bias. I, I heard that term the other day, which I loved. Consumption bias, like if you read Harry Potter first, I used to say like Hermione or Hermione, whichever one's not right. I used to say, and um, my wife used to say Hagrid instead of Hagrid, amongst a million other things. But more than that, in your mind, you have a visual picture of what these people look like, and the second you see the movie poof, it's gone. You could try to bring it back, but it's almost like a cell in your brain just gets replaced. I think it's it's similar to like if you're listening to music and you try to think of another song, it's very difficult. Unless you kind of have a brain that can, you know, you could probably like play the drum or sing and play drums or sing and play guitar at the same time. You need to be able to separate that shit. So anyway, it's consumption bias. So for me, it was the reverse. Saw the show first, Game of Thrones, started reading it, and I just read it completely with, that's Tyrion, who's the, the dwarf. That's Cersei and whatever. And I enjoyed it more. It almost made my mind more vivid because in my head, I already had a picture of these guys and I could picture them from the show. Where am I going with this? I don't know. Totally dovetailed or what's a triple dovetail? Uh, a quad tail. I'm, I'm spiraling out of control. So let's see, where are we at? 27 minutes, perfect. Under a half an hour, and and things are great. So 
episode 14, save for the show. Hoping this is a, a silky smooth episode. Certainly there won't be any technical difficulties because it's just me, monologue, one-on-one, and I'm recording out of my new mic. Can't tell if it sounds great yet because I'm doing it right now. I'm not hearing it. I'm saying it. This is It's falling out of my mouth as I'm doing this. So when I listen to this back, I hope it's great. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye.